Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We've all got used to the idea of the Norman yoke, the enslavement of the Anglo-Saxon people by their French conquerors. But actually, Mark's argument suggests that it was quite contrary. And in fact, it was the Normans who were liberators. Is that so? Well, when you say it's my argument, it's, it's an argument that's been around for, for many years. It's, I'm not the first person to put it. I'm just restating it. Um, I think it depends who you were in Anglo-Saxon England. Um, the, the Norman yoke is, um, is, is a, a sort of a legend developed principally in the um, 17th century during the Civil War. Um, and from for, from that point on, or in the middle earlier in the in, in the, um, the Middle Ages itself, but from that point on, certainly in the 17th century, you have this idea of Anglo-Saxon England as a golden age, where everybody was equal, and there was a kind of proto-democracy in place, um, and it was all swept away by the Normans. Um, now, um, what you do have after the Norman conquest certainly is there are lots of people who are free who become um, less free, um, people who are, own their lands um, sort of uh, either under light lordship or under no lord at all are made um, dependent on Norman lords. So you get to hear a lot about that. What you don't get to hear a lot about is the people who are at the very bottom of the pile in Anglo-Saxon society, i.e. the slaves that you see in Doomsday Book um, and who we know about from um, Anglo-Saxon literary sources and from Anglo-Saxon wills. Um, now, it seems for them that the Norman conquest improved their lot because the Normans didn't do slavery. Um, and so where you can measure it after the conquest, you see slavery in decline. And you also have chronicle comments um, noting that the Normans acted as liberators when it came to slaves. So when we talk about the Normans not having slaves, why was that? This was quite unusual in the world at that time, was it not? Well, I don't think it was particularly unusual in Europe. I mean, I've, I've, I've not devoted as much of my life, perhaps, as I should, to studying um, uh, slavery in um, sort of Europe uh, in the early Middle Ages and, and, and around the turn of the millennium. Um, and I'm not altogether certain that anyone can put their finger on it and say precisely why slavery started to decline in, in say, Francia. Western Europe um, around the turn of the millennium. Um, I think once upon a time people put it down to um, economic reasons, you know, sort of the rise of a money economy meant that it was more profitable not to, to have slaves but have rent-paying tenants. Um, at other times people have put it down to um, 
the, uh, sort of the, the objection of the church, but n neither of those arguments seem to stand up. I mean, the church in particular has always uh, never had a problem with slavery. You know, slavery occurs in the Bible, uh, and um, you know the church fathers were okay with slavery. So they just kind of say that you know it's a, they view view slavery as a, as a as a condition that's kind of divinely ordained. Um, but so the Normans weren't unique in sort of doing away with slavery. See, the Normans, of course, originally had been Vikings. They were the, 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 the Northmen who came and settled in that part of France um, in the late 9th and early 10th centuries. So they were, as Vikings, they were big on slavery when they first arrived in, in um, Francia. But by around um, the turn of the first millennium, certainly by the early decades of the 11th century, the Normans aren't doing slavery anymore. So they've adopted the, 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 the ways and the morals, if you like, of their Frankish neighbours. And as you pointed out, Mark, you're not the first person to uh, deal with this aspect of um, Anglo-Saxon slavery. But oh, if we, um, if I mean, we look say, at... I, I, this is just something that, um, when I was doing my, my own book on the Norman Conquest, um, uh, I felt that whilst people knew the, the sort of the Henry's history version of the story, you know, sort of people getting arrows in the eye or, you know, mm -hmm. sort of William the Conqueror and Harold and... Um, the Battle of Hastings, that there were big themes that really um, went undiscussed in the popular literature. Um, uh, this was something that was I found arresting when I was a student 20 years ago. Um, this stuff that uh, John Gillingham, who was formerly at the LSE, did, did some um, pioneering work on. There's also a chap more recently um, called uh, David Wyatt, who's uh, did a big book on sort of um, slavery in Anglo-Saxon England. Um, about three or four years ago, um, so it's 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 a it's a topic which is is has been discussed and has been thoroughly researched at a high academic level, but you will not find very much discussion of it still at a popular level. I mean, historically, there are there are good reasons for that, of course, because um, for Victorian scholars and indeed for, for scholars for most of the 20th century, um, the Anglo-Saxons are us. You know, they're the English. Uh, we're the English, so therefore the Anglo-Saxons must be the good guys. The Normans import all the nasty stuff. And with very few exceptions, um, 19th and 20th century scholars did not want to discuss Anglo-Saxon slavery. You know, because the Anglo-Saxons were seen, again, it was seen as being a golden age from which we got um, you know, our democratic institutions, our sense of playing off a straight bat, etc., etc. And how true is that? Sorry? How true is that historiography? Well, as I say, I think it's a, it's a, it's a myth. Um, I mean, we it's something I'm exploring in a piece that I'm sort of developing on my desk at the moment, myths about the Anglo-Saxons. There are, there are elements of Anglo-Saxon culture which were... Um, uh, there, were there were elements of the Anglo-Saxon political process which were consultative, but then that was true of a lot of other, you know, sort of cultures in Western Europe at the time as well. You're, 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 but the, 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 um, the stuff you read about sort of um, the Witan as if it were kind of a, uh, almost a sort of a, a parliament in embryo, um, is, is just a, it strikes me as a, as a nonsense. You know? So what did the Normans actually bring? To, and we're talking about uh, the Ang uh, the Normans um, breaking down the idea of Anglo-Saxon slavery. They were not slaves themselves. When else did they contribute to that nascent English state? Oh, well, 
contribute sounds. I mean, when you used to talk about contribute, it sounds like a, a positive thing. I mean, the thing to, perhaps the thing I conclude in the article was saying, don't get me wrong. You know, the the Normans caused enormous amount of death and suffering and bloodshed. The conquest itself was a very bloody act, uh, and 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 on top of that, you have the the, um, the harrying of the north. You know, the the, the deliberate um, destruction of human and animal life in the north of England um, from 10, the winter of 1069. So no doubt that the, that the Normans were agents of destruction and they were written up that way by the English at the time. So you know, I'm, not, I'm not here to sort of go into bat for the Normans. Um, but well, the reason that 1066 is such an important date, the most important date, um, you could say, in, in uh, English history, is because so much changed so quickly. If every historical question ultimately boils down to rate of change, what stayed the same, what changed, is everything changes with the Norman Conquest. Um, so there's architecture, for example. We have castles for the first time, bringing up you know, at, at a rate of knots across the country, hundreds of castles being founded. Um, we have um, all the major churches being ripped down and replaced. So England has 15 bishoprics in um, 1066, or in the 11th century. And uh, so 15 cathedrals. All those cathedrals, within two generations, are ripped down and rebuilt. Same true of all the major abbeys. So you have this architectural revolution um, on a scale which nothing that comes, nothing before or after uh, can compare with. Um, in terms of attitudes, they talk about slavery. In terms of attitudes, another big change that Norman's bringing is chivalry. Um, and that's, that's not chivalry in the sense of um, writing letters to ladies or putting your cloak in a puddle for a lady. It's essentially boils down to not killing your opponents when they're on their knees begging for mercy, um, which is, a, again, a, it's, it's, a, it's a new attitude. The Anglo-Saxons hadn't done that. The Vikings hadn't done it. The Anglo-Saxons hadn't done it. Um, so if you look at the reigns of not just Canute, who, as you would expect, as a Viking king, begins his reign with a jolly round of executions, but if you look at his predecessor, the, the English Ethelred the Unready, Several bloody purges during his reign where people who are politically opposed to the king are just taken out and, and, and killed. And it goes on as well, in, even in Edward the Confessor's reign, in the saintly Edward the Confessor's reign, um, Tostig Godwinson does for his political opponents in the north by having them executed. Um, uh, his father, um, Harold's father as well, um, Earl Godwin, um, is, is responsible indirectly, if not directly, for the death of Edward the Confessor's brother, Alfred. So... The way you, did, you dealt with your political opponents in, in pre-conquest England was simply to kill them. And monastic chroniclers might bewail that, but secular society clearly regarded it as a useful and acceptable part of the political process. Now, the Normans, for all that they were extremely bloody in their warfare, did not do that. But despite all the invective that the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle pours on William the Conqueror, most of it justified... One thing he's not able to say is he took people out and killed them. There's only one guy of rank after the conquest, um, Wolfioff, um, out of Northumbria, who is executed in 1076. And after that, you don't have any earl executed in England until 1306, 1305, 1306, the very end of Edward I's reign. Anyway, so you have nearly two and a half centuries of restraint when it comes to political killing. It's a taboo. Now, that shift in attitude is, is a direct consequence of the Norman conquest. So again, that's, that's, this is the, and the other thing that's, that's very important in terms of the British Isles is that 
these attitudes um, uh, in terms of feeling that political killing is wrong, in feeling that slavery is wrong, because the Norman Conquest, the, the massive change with the Conquest is the entire elite of Anglo-Saxon England is swept away. Thousands of new people are suddenly in charge, both in terms of secular society and the church. Because that new elite is in place with these new attitudes, with these new ideas in their heads, those become the norms in England. But they are not the norms in Wales, Scotland, and in Ireland. And so two generations after the conquest, the English start to look at their Celtic neighbors who are just doing things the way the Anglo-Saxons had always done, i.e. practicing war as slave hunting and practicing political killing. And the English are now looking at the Celts and saying, these people are barbarians. And that, the discourse shifts in that way as well. Again, this is something that, that John Gillingham has explored brilliantly in the last 20 years. Um, but that uh, sudden um, shift in, in regarding the Celt as different, not, not just different in terms of um, race, in terms of blood, but also in terms of being on the, the wrong side of the civilized barbarian divide, underpins the, the English expansion into the Celtic countries that goes on for the rest of the Middle Ages and beyond, okay. for the creation of a hostile stereotype of the Celt. Um, so that, again, is, is something that occurs as a direct result of the Norman Conquest. So, big change with the Norman Conquest. <laughs> well, thank you, Mark. It's an absolutely fascinating article, Breaking the Bonds. It's in uh, the Mark tradition of history today and I have to say that John Gillingham actually is going to be writing for us in the April edition on uh, the naming of England so thank you Mark thank you very much Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.